Welcome to your Actives Digital Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your digital and media editor. This week, we look at the state of play of international data transfers and at the ongoing EU-US negotiations ahead of the summit that will take place next week. For a complete overview of the most relevant digital and media developments over the past seven days, sign up to my free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is Euractive's Digital Brief Podcast. This episode is powered by Facebook. We collaborate with partners in Europe to support the pandemic response. We've also teamed up with fact-checking organizations to reduce the spread of misinformation about COVID-19 and to develop multilingual media literacy campaigns. Get the full story at about.fb.com forward slash Europe. So we have a special guest with us today, Rafi Azim Khan, partner and global co-head of data privacy at International Law Pillsbury. Welcome, Rafi. A pleasure to be here, Luca. So today we are going to talk about the EU-US data transfers. Uh, as we know, the Schrems to ruling overall has overturned for the second time the privacy shield that the two blocks have negotiated. Could you tell us what is the situation right now for following the Schrems II ruling? Of course. Um, I think the first comment just to make is that there's a real sort of feeling of deja vu uh, with this topic. Um, what I mean by that is we um, uh, obviously have had issues between the EU, uh, Europe generally, including the UK, and the United States in terms of data issues and data transfers um, that have gone back many years. Um, so I've worked in the sector since the dot-com time. And even back then, when I was doing some work in Silicon Valley, uh, dealing with US companies that were dealing with uh, European operations or trying to deal with European customers or European consumers, there was always a tension between uh, a perception that in the US, um, data protection laws were not strong enough And there was a concern over just general data protection practices, for example, around surveillance and government authorities. Um, that tension obviously was uh, increased with some of the new laws. And going back to the original dot-com time, we had the data protection directive, uh, the e-commerce directive, and some other rules where Europe was effectively trying to set out some rules uh, of how to conduct business electronically. And there was a perception that the US was a little bit of a wild west. Um, Fast forward a few years, coming more up to date, you obviously then had the GDPR come along, which was a further attempt to reset everything, have more uh, strict rules and more protective rules around data. And again, the US was deemed to be um, lagging behind in that regard. Um, the US, of course, is not an adequate country um, for the purposes of European law, European data law. And so that meant that businesses had to find a way of conducting business in a way that would uh, avoid any problems with that European law. That, of course, led to US companies wanting to have a, uh, an easy fix or a quick solution, uh, which led to the original safe harbor scheme, which ultimately was uh, shot down. And that was replaced with, obviously, Privacy Shield, uh, which ended up being shot down by the Schrems II decision. And I think one of the really interesting things is uh, with uh, President Biden's visit and the negotiations that have been ongoing at the moment to try and find uh, a reboot um, for uh, a new version, a 3.0, if you like, of Privacy Shield, 
uh, some of those original tension points still exist. So in terms of where we are right now, um, we have um, a lot of pressure being put on uh, the relevant negotiators to try and see if they can resurrect a deal. So as I said, a fresh uh, privacy shield. Um, but there are some question marks still open. Um, and I think um, one of the sort of legacies of Schrems too is going to be this issue of how do you put those two conflicting um, a set of circumstances, the US surveillance, the US laws, how do you make them sit well with the European view that some of those issues do actually run counter and at loggerheads to GDPR requirements? Okay, but taking a step back, what does it mean for uh, businesses at the moment that operate uh, in both sides of the Atlantic? For example, Last week, we saw that the Commission issued the standard contractual clauses, which were widely expected. And, and some say that to a certain extent, it helps to reduce uncertainty. So what are the concrete risks for businesses? I think in terms of uh, what we had after the Schrems II decision was we had um, uh, international businesses effectively um, throwing their hands up in some concern over the fact that there was not a clear path for how they could continue to operate and conduct business, which obviously in many cases involves international transfer of data. Um, one of the things which came out of the aftermath of that decision was the fact that even though Privacy Shield had been shot down, the uh, use of the standard contractual clauses or SECs um, had not been uh, ruled out, although there had been criticism of the then current uh, SECs. So there was a question mark, there was a cloud over that, the ongoing use of those SECs. In addition, we had some of the enforcers, some of the regulators come out with commentary that they had concerns about use of the SECs. And so generally, there was a, a real fear that business was going to be uh, pretty much stuck in terms of not being able to um, engage in, uh, in business in the way they need to. So I think the uh, general business view of these new SECs that have just very recently been announced um, has been one of relief and uh, sort of a large sigh of relief, I would say. And I think what's going to be interesting now is business will have to obviously consider how they look to adopt these new SECs and whether they give them all the comfort they hope uh, they, they were going to obtain from having these new SECs issued. So I think it's correct that business is happy we have these new SECs issued, but I think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of working out how you will actually incorporate these new SECs. And one of the things which I think some people have not fully understood is that these new SECs are quite different from the previous ones. So there will be some proper work required to make them fit existing agreements, to make them fit existing arrangements, and they have a modular approach as well. So it's not one size fits all. You have to tailor the clauses that you wish to use for your type of business and for your type of processing um, and your type of transferring. It's going to require a proper lawyering and it's going to require proper executive time to understand how to actually put these things in play in a way that's going to be appropriate. Going back to the negotiations, what do you think that we can expect, at least in the European circles? There is almost a consensus that if the U.S. doesn't change its surveillance law, this deal is going to be struck down again by the EU Court of Justice. So how much is the U.S. willing to concede in this negotiation? I think what's interesting at the moment is um, 
the Biden administration are clearly putting quite a lot of energy into the discussions with uh, the European side. So I'm aware that um, I don't I don't think that uh, uh, Biden has personally met uh, the European Commission uh, chief. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens after the meetings between uh, von der Leyen and Biden take place. Um, there definitely has been a lot of negotiation and time spent between the negotiating teams on both sides to try and broker an agreement. Um, and that hasn't got very far. So, so what I've heard is that um, there's been a number of these sticking points, exactly as you're describing, which is American surveillance practices, um, and also not just not just uh, the pure surveillance practice piece, but also uh, there's, there's actually three concerns, really. There's concern number one, which is US national security practices. There's the second sort of bucket, which is public interest. So if, if for example, the US administration decides it needs to do something differently, um, that that could drive changes on the US side. And then the third area is general compliance with US law. So if there are any other US laws that, that a business feels it has to comply with on the US side, then it might grant access to data or it might hand data over or what have you. And so the concern is actually in those three different areas. And even though Biden and the Biden camp are looking to have this meeting with the EU Commission president, you know, we'll see how that meeting with Ursula von der Leyen goes. Um, I do think it's going to be interesting that you may get some agreement at the top level. So there may be a kind of political meeting of minds. Uh, there may be agreement at that high level. But I think there, there could be still problems on two levels below. So when the negotiation team is told, okay, um, we've got this general agreement. We have to get a deal done. We have to get a deal done quickly because that's what business is crying out for. Um, when it gets into the detail, again, the concern remains, will there be a way in which you can actually make um, the square peg fit into the round hole? You know, Can you deal with that surveillance issue in, in detailed terms and what has to go into the drafting? And then the final piece, exactly as you say, you're absolutely right, Luca. I think in terms of how will the court view it? So the European Court of Justice or the CJU, how will that view um, any deal that is done and any new agreement that's reached um, to have a, as I said, a shield 3.0? Um, you know, could that just be shot down in the future again? Uh, generally speaking, from business's point of view, if businesses want to degree more certainty, it does seem that the new SECs may give better stability than a hope that there will be a new shield scheme put together. That's my initial feeling at this moment in time. So, of course, what the U.S. is willing to concede also relates to the potential retaliation from the EU side. GDPR enforcement has many flaws uh, and, and it's currently being uh, at, at the center of attention on how the, uh, how the one-shop mechanism could be improved. But... How seriously do you think the, the U.S. looks at the EU in terms of GDPR enforcement? We are seeing this, for example, with, uh, with Facebook uh, in Ireland, which is currently being investigated. And, and some say the Irish data protection watchdog now has no choice but to stop all data transfers, which has never happened. Again, it's a sort of nuclear option, let's say where there is no coming back. 
do you think that the Washington is taking this option seriously? I think the question of enforcement and the question of uh, how U.S. companies, particularly some of the larger companies, uh, the ones that are genuinely global uh, multinationals, um, how they comply with GDPR or do not comply with GDPR. I think that's a, a, a really important uh, question. Um, I would say if you take two steps back, if you look at what we had under the uh, original data law. So as I said, when the whole dot-com um, transformation kicked off um, uh, you know, at the end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s, the US didn't really have very, very um, sophisticated data laws or any kind of e-commerce rules, really. Um, Europe was pretty much at the forefront of that. And that was a, as a result, as I say, of the data protection directive, the e-commerce directive and other pieces of legislation and initiatives. And since then, you've seen a ramping up with GDPR and other laws to try and again, have a set of rules which are more prescriptive. And the US still hasn't really adopted that. We've seen localized laws like CCPA in California and other states in the US are now looking to introduce privacy laws as well. But the GDPR is the, has become pretty much in the last two or three years, the kind of international standard that many people are looking at and beginning to follow. So there's two things uh, that flow from that. Number one, US companies that originally reacted when they saw GDPR come along and originally said, you know, um, you know this seems excessive, this seems uh, overbearing, this is uh, non-commercial, we can't possibly comply with this. A number of those companies have come around to the realization that both for two reasons, one is enforcement and one is just practical reality of doing business internationally. As GDPR has had this ripple effect, this domino effect and other countries, so whether it's Brazil uh, with LGPD or whether it's other countries around the world adopting very similar rules to GDPR, international businesses and again US headquartered businesses that operate internationally are beginning to realize that actually it's better to have a sort of consistent approach and so a lot of them are going up to a kind of GDPR standard if you like even if initially they didn't want to that's number one that's observation one observation two and enforcement is very interesting in the first year after GDPR kicked in there was genuinely a criticism that many enforcement uh, bodies whether it was Keneal in France or the ICO in the UK or the Irish uh, Data Protection Commission, um, whomever it was, there was a general feeling that, you know, uh, what's going to happen? How are they going to enforce? Are they going to go straight away? Are they going to be very aggressive or not? And there was, in some cases, people felt that the fines weren't large enough or there wasn't enough enforcement. I think that is changing. I really think that is changing now. And I think, you know, the message for businesses and businesses are waking up to this, is the fact that the last 12 months or so, we have seen quite a significant ratcheting up of enforcement activity. So, for example, we saw you know, British Airways being fined. Uh, we saw the Marriott fine. Um, we've seen other activity. You mentioned uh, the Irish investigation now uh, on the social media side. Um, we've had Keneal be quite on the front foot. Um, and I think what's interesting is um, that period of kind of letting businesses get used to these new rules, let them come to, come to terms with them. I think the patience is wearing thin, and I do think we're going to see more enforcement. Um, so I think in terms of um, what will this mean, could we see any kind of nuclear option uh, actions taken? Um, I don't know the honest answer, but I do think the enforcement authorities and the commissioners, um, and I have I've conducted various um, sessions with a number of the actual commissioners 
um, in the last few years. And when you have discussions with them, you know, many of them will say there is a growing frustration sometimes with some of these large businesses that they feel should know better and should be setting a better example. So I think we could see that. Now, whether that leads to, you know, aggressive enforcement that leads to the US taking more of a retaliatory kind of tone, that remains to be seen. I don't know. But all I would say is obviously GDPR is not theoretical law anymore. It's here. It's, it, we recently had its third birthday, its third anniversary. So businesses are definitely going to have to take it more seriously and look to push through compliance programs that actually look to um, uh, put them in a better position of compliance than they were previously. I think that's for sure. Rafi Azim Khan is partner and global co-head of data privacy at Pillsbury, an international law firm. Thank you, Rafi, for being here today. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to my free digital brief newsletter to receive a comprehensive overview of digital media stories in your mailbox. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening. Okay.